0: Hello, and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who, oddly enough, has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive into all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What The Bump. Today, we are going to be talking about toxins during pregnancy, basically just toxins in general, but specifically toxins that may be linked to ADHD, ADD, anxiety, autism, and other developmental delays. Specifically, we are going to be talking about acetaminophen or Tylenol, aluminum, aspartame, methanol, and fluoride. And there are definitely other things that are toxic during pregnancy. These are just the main ones that I wanted to touch on because I feel like in general, people tend to think that they're okay. I mean, especially like Tylenol and acetaminophen. I'm pretty sure most people take those during pregnancy and most of the time think that they're relatively safe. I'm also going to talk about like Tylenol and acetaminophen in children's and infants and we all know that that's popular I mean, there's children's Tylenol and literally acetaminophen branded for children So i'm not going to touch on the obvious things that are considered toxins during pregnancy or Toxins in general I'm just going to touch on these main ones that tend to be kind of overlooked and not really thought about too much I guess and they're definitely more easily consumed in our day-to-day lives And there are just some simple things that we can do to make sure that we are not consuming too much of these toxins So let's dive into this episode Talking first about acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, acetaminophen is a pain reliever that is found in over 600 over-the-counter and prescription medications. Acetaminophen is in medications like Dayquil, Robitussin, Sudafed, obviously Tylenol, and Vicks. So if you literally Google, is acetaminophen safe during pregnancy, which I always do because I know a lot of people probably have questions during pregnancy and that's the first thing they do is just type it on Google and see what they get. If you click on like, it was either the first or the second link and it was to healthline.com, which is just a very generic public health related website the first article that came up was acetaminophen is one of the most common treatments used by pregnant women for pain or fevers a recent israeli study found that prolonged use of acetaminophen may be linked to increased risks of both autism spectrum disorder also known as asd and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder also known as adhd This research was conducted at the University of Jerusalem and involved more than 100,000 women with a follow-up period of three to 11 years. They go on to say that the researchers say they found strong evidence that use of acetaminophen for 28 days or more during pregnancy is associated with a 30% increase in relative risk for ADHD and a 20% increase in relative risks for autism spectrum disorder compared to the woman who did not take acetaminophen during pregnancy. So this is huge. This is on just a generic Healthline website. Many times it pops up whenever you Google many health-related questions. It's not like an in-depth, scientific anything. It's just like a very basic generic site. And they're saying right here that there was a 30% increase in risks of ADHD and a 20% increase in risks for autism spectrum disorder in women who took acetaminophen during their pregnancy. And that's huge—30 to 20% increase just from taking acetaminophen. And it was, I believe, they said like long-term use, which they considered like. Three to four weeks, I believe. Yes, they said for four weeks or more, can cause their increased risks of an unborn child's autism and ADHD. And that's huge. For somebody, that just goes to show. For somebody who's told that acetaminophen and Tylenol is safe to use during pregnancy, safety of your children, Googling it, you literally find on a very generic site, it's clearly showing a study, an Israeli study conducted, that depicts the exact opposite that it is causing an increased risk for ADHD and autism. So that's really the first thing I want to highlight is just that acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, does increase your risks for your unborn infant to develop autism and ADHD. There was another Danish study conducted with 64,000 mothers and children in 2014 by JAMA Pediatrics, and they found that acetaminophen use during pregnancy was associated with higher risks of ADD or attention deficit disorder in an infant. Again, NCIB, or the National Center for Biotechnology Information, which is part of the United States National Library of Medicine, published a study stating that acetaminophen is used by a large portion of pregnant women. It's thought to be safe. However, research suggests that acetaminophen use in pregnancy is associated with abnormal fetal neural development, and children exposed to acetaminophen prenatally are at increased risks for multiple behavioral difficulties. So you can see that the conclusion is pretty clear. Acetaminophen or Tylenol use during pregnancy, it's just not worth it. There are other things that you can do, which I'm going to talk about, even other medications that you might be able to take that are slightly less toxic than acetaminophen. It just truly makes me sad that it's just thought to be safe. And acetaminophen is something that is in so many over-the-counter drugs. And when you have a headache or a fever, the first thing you probably think to do is just, hey, does anybody have a Tylenol? And it just truly is sad that this has probably been overlooked for a really long time. And a lot of people just don't know about it. It's the lack of education and it's not them meaning to do harm whatsoever. It's just that people don't know about these things. And until you really dive deep into it, you're just told it's generically safe. And we always want to believe what our providers and our doctors tell us. However, there are such strong links to acetaminophen and developmental delays and difficulties. And I really hope that this is something that is brought into the light a lot more in the future. There was also, so that was talking about acetaminophen taken during pregnancy. There's also links to children taking acetaminophen or Tylenol and developing autism. So there was a study that looked at children who took Tylenol after receiving the MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, and they were also followed afterwards and were found to be significantly more likely to develop autism. I'm not really sure if the link there is anything between the MMR and Tylenol. It didn't state. It just highlighted that they all took Tylenol after. There's also a study shown children who were given acetaminophen between 12 and 18 months of age, so they're already a year old, a year to a year and a half old, were more likely to develop autism than those who were not given anything or were given ibuprofen for pain, fevers, things like that. There was also a slight link between circumcisions and autism. And this study was really unclear. I just wanted to highlight it and touch on it. There was a link between the circumcisions and autism. However, it's really unknown if that was caused from Tylenol. Sometimes after circumcisions, babies might be given Tylenol in the hospital to help with the pain and after the procedure, but it's unclear whether really those infants were given Tylenol. So it's a really, really, really slight link. I would just really empower you to ask your hospital what the policy is for circumcisions, what they do for pain control, if they give Tylenol, and maybe if they do, if you could just ask them to to not give your newborn Tylenol after the procedure. I know that for my hospital specifically, we do not give Tylenol after circumcision. So that really would not play into a part for us. However, I'm not sure what the ho- practice is at other hospitals, whether they give Tylenol or not. Definitely something that you need to ask about. So talking about alternatives to acetaminophen use, ibuprofen is of course a better and less toxic alternatives. There are still side effects, of course, with chronic use of ibuprofen, such as ulcers and bleeding in the stomach. Again, we're talking about chronic use here. So As long as you're not taking an ibuprofen every day for your headache or things like that, you should be okay. Every once in a while, ibuprofen is going to be a little bit better and less toxic. And I just wanted to add in, when I'm talking about ibuprofen use as a better alternative, I'm not talking about during pregnancy. So during pregnancy, ibuprofen is not considered safe to use. There actually was a article published by the National Library of Medicine, and it basically states that NSAIDs, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, which is what ibuprofen is, are commonly prescribed during pregnancy. However, they are not considered safe. Taking NSAIDs in early pregnancy increases the risks of miscarriage and malformations. And taking NSAIDs after 30 weeks which would be kind of later in pregnancy, is associated with an increased risk of premature closure of the fetal ductus arterius and oligohydraminose. So oligohydraminose is going to be having a low amount of amniotic fluid and early closure, premature closure of the fetal ductus arterius can lead to progressive right heart dysfunction and congestive heart failure. So ibuprofen is going to be a better, less toxic substitute for acetaminophen when it comes to more so the postpartum period and children. Ibuprofen is safe for kids that are. Going than six months old and is better than using acetaminophen. Also, if you're having headaches and pain and things like that, good alternatives that are more holistic and will not be toxic is going to be just putting some lavender oil on a washcloth, resting that on your forehead. Lavender oil is amazing for headaches. And if you're not into essential oils, maybe just try the washcloth and closing your eyes, relaxing. If your headaches are to the point where they're pounding in your head or they're recurrent or if they feel more like migraines you definitely need to see a care provider and figure that out. If you're pregnant, it could be caused by high blood pressure, so please, please if you're having headaches, go see your OB. Another thing you can do if you're having headaches is to try eating really rich in magnesium foods. So this is going to be of course green leafy vegetables, nuts, seeds, things like that. Foods that have a lot of magnesium in them can really help those headaches. You can also take a magnesium supplement um talk to your care provider of course if you're pregnant especially about taking a magnesium supplement but most of them will probably tell you that it is okay to take a magnesium supplement and the other thing you can try is turmeric turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory you can take it with a little bit of black pepper you can either cook some food in it it does have a distinct taste so if you don't like that you can buy turmeric capsules again before you take anything talk to your provider but those are definitely some little tricks that you can try that are a little bit better than taking acetaminophen or tylenol The next toxin that I'm going to touch on really quickly, but not spend too much time on is aluminum. So if you go back to two episodes ago, I talked about the hepatitis B vaccine, and we talked about aluminum pretty much in depth in that episode. However, aluminum is a metal used in injectable vaccinations, such as the hepatitis B. It interferes with cellular metabolism. It can be neurotoxic, bone toxic, and it can cause a free radical attack with cellular damage. With too much aluminum so the hepatitis b vaccine like i talked about in that episode has 15 times the amount of recommended aluminum per day for a newborn in one shot and that's given usually within an hour of birth 15 times the amount of aluminum recommended for a newborn by the cdc but the cdc also tells you to get that vaccination at birth also in the tdap vaccination which i'm going to talk about in a later episode It's recommended for all pregnant women to get the Tdap vaccination and the flu shot. However, the Tdap does have a lot of aluminum, about the same as the hepatitis B, 250 to 300 micrograms. It's recommended to all women to get that. Another source of aluminum that you can get during pregnancy is from aluminum antiperspirants or deodorant. So make sure you check your deodorant that it does not contain any aluminum. And then soy formula, giving your baby soy formula. Most of those do also contain aluminum. So make sure you read the ingredients on that and make sure that you're not giving your baby a soy formula with aluminum. So go back and listen to that episode on hepatitis B to learn more about aluminum. But aluminum, you really can avoid it by getting a deodorant that does not have aluminum, not giving your baby soy formula, and being very cautious about vaccinations. That's the main thing that aluminum is going to be found in. Too much aluminum can be neurotoxic, can cause cellular damage. The third toxin we're going to talk about is aspartame. And I don't know why this is so random, but I always want to call it aspartame. It just looks like aspartame. I call it that all the time. And my husband always corrects me. It's aspartame. So aspartame, which is an artificial sugar, and it's in a lot of sugar-free products. It's in artificial processed foods, drinks, soda, any sugar-free gum. It's also called NutraSweet. So almost any gum that you pick up at the store is probably going to have aspartame in it. Flip over the package, look at it. It most likely does. It's in a lot of foods and it's hidden. It's usually at the bottom of the ingredient list because there's not a ton of aspartame in most things, but it's in a lot of these processed foods aspartame is especially dangerous because it is broken down into methanol in your body which methanol is then converted into formaldehyde in your body and yes i did say formaldehyde that is what is used to embalm and preserve dead people so as you can imagine formaldehyde is not a good thing to have build up in your body whatsoever and that is going to be what aspartame is going to turn into so first aspartame turns into methanol methanol is a chemical found in cigarette smoke smoked meat fish and most foods containing aspartame the cdc states that methanol may cause birth defects in the central nervous system of humans and there has been many animal studies that have proved that methanol can cause birth defects. There were 550 moms who were studied who gave birth to non-autistic children and then 161 women studied who gave birth to autistic children. They found that the moms who had the autistic children had two times the amount of methanol or aspartame consumed when they were pregnant. So that does really show that there is a very strong link between aspartame consumption and autism after birth. And when you hear or see aspartame on an ingredient list, it is very universal to see that and you know that it's not good for you it's one of it's an artificial sweetener it's an artificial chemical and it's pretty common to know that those aren't good for you just like you see those little like pink and blue packets of artificial sugars at coffee shops or restaurants even if you pick up one of those every once in a while and you put it in your coffee to sweeten it you know that it's not good for you you know that it's an artificial sugar anything that tastes that good and is that sweet yet has zero calories and zero grams of sugar you have to know that that is that's straight up a chemical like there's no way that that's good for you. It might taste good, but it's definitely not good for your body. So at all costs, avoid aspartame. It's an artificial sweetener found in so many sugar-free products, artificial and processed foods, drinks, sodas and gum. It's broken down into methanol in your body and then converted to into formaldehyde. This is proven to cause birth defects in the central nervous system and autism in children. If you want something sweet, but you want to avoid these things, just don't don't eat or drink anything sugar-free buy a natural gum read the ingredient list it probably won't have aspartame on it try not to drink soda drinks try to swap out for healthier things even juice like that's going to be healthier than a diet soda or a soda in general and then try really not to eat artificial and processed foods whole real foods are not going to have aspartame in them because they're not processed they're not chemicals so when in doubt stick to whole ingredients in real food and the last toxin we're going to touch on is fluoride So you might really think fluoride, is that really a toxin? Fluoride, of course, is in our drinking water and in our toothpaste. It's also found in pesticides, Teflon cooking pans, and processed foods. A lot of people hear fluoride and think, oh, fluoride, it's in our drinking water and our toothpaste. It reduces the number of cavities in adults. Some people think it can whiten your teeth. And there was actually a cochrane study, and cochrane is like the gold standard of unbiased studies. They had a study come out that showed that fluoride was not proven to reduce the number of cavities in adults at all. So fluoride has really not done what we thought it has done all of these years. And in 2015, the U.S. government and Department of Health and Human Services lowered the recommended fluoride levels in drinking water. That was the first time in 50 years that they had lowered the recommended amount of fluoride levels. And there were people in certain cities and states that were protesting the amount of fluoride levels, saying that they wanted them decreased. And finally, for the first time in 2015, they actually lowered the recommended amount of fluoride levels. They actually found that adults and children were over-consuming fluoride. And the overconsumption of fluoride is linked with increased risks of impaired brain function, ADHD, and thyroid disorders. So overall, there is a super simple way to solve this problem of drinking and eating too much fluoride. And it's simply going to be getting a water filter, filtering your water. You can buy a Brita filter on Amazon that like sits in your fridge. It's a pitcher. I think they're like $20, $25. The ultimate best way though to filter your water is going to be a reverse osmosis system. They go under your sink um, and they like, they're pretty easy to, c- to connect. They actually co- like color code the wires and tell you where to connect everything to. But those run, I think about $200, which is obviously a complete investment. That's not cheap. However, you only need to replace the filters on them. i think every year the other ways to avoid fluoride is going to be getting a fluoride free toothpaste so make sure you even just grabbing a natural toothpaste from the grocery store a lot of them still contain fluoride so make sure almost always the front of it will say fluoride free and then of course washing your fruits and vegetables trying to avoid pesticides trying to avoid any teflon cooking pans you can find good pans i believe green pans is a pretty good brand that is a toxic free brand of pans and then just avoiding processed foods like i talked about earlier eating whole real foods will reduce the amount of fluoride that you are consuming So those are the four main toxins I wanted to touch on today. Acetaminophen or Tylenol. Quick and easy way to avoid that toxin is to try some lavender oil on a washcloth for headaches, eating magnesium rich foods, and then maybe taking a turmeric supplement to help with inflammation and pain. The next one we touched on was aluminum. Aluminum is in vaccines and antiperspirants and soy formula. A way to avoid aluminum is just to really consider vaccinations and educate yourself on the vaccinations, whether you want them, need them, and make your own educated and decision buying a deodorant that is free of aluminum and just not using soil formula the third toxin we talked about is aspartame aspartame is an artificial sweetener in sugar-free products and processed foods it's broken down into methanol and then converted to formaldehyde proven to have birth defects in the cns system of humans a way to avoid aspartame is just to not use artificial sugars or sweeteners and to opt for more whole real foods the last and fourth toxin we touched on was fluoride. Fluoride is found in drinking water, toothpaste, pesticides, Teflon pans, and other processed foods. Fluoride really is not proven to reduce the number of cavities in adults. A way to avoid fluoride is to filter your water, use a fluoride-free toothpaste, and make sure you're cooking on fluoride-free pans and not consuming processed foods again. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Next week, we are going to talk about vaccinations that are recommended during pregnancy. There are mainly two of them, and it's going to be the Tdap vaccine and the flu shot. So make sure you tune back in next Monday so you can hear about the Tdap vaccine and flu shot and make your own educated, informed decision during your pregnancy, whether those are two shots that you want. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you.